Yo, this is Beat People Podcast, episode 24. Welcome back. We're happy to be here. We're going to talk about some beats. We're going to talk about some new endeavors. We got a special guest, uh, KK on the Beats. Hey, KK, so is it KK on the Beats or is it KK Beats? KK the producer, Beats, all of it is totally fine. But yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you on the show. Thank you, Thank you. I'm so excited. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. No doubt. No doubt. Um, And we're just going to go down the line and kind of introduce the panel. Then we just kind of get into some stuff and start chopping it up. Ken, you there? He's on mute. So we got Ken Flux. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, there you go. What's up, man? Yeah, I am here. I'm just, uh, I I guess because I'm cutting you off, I'll introduce myself real quick so that you guys can get to more interesting people. Um, yeah, so I'm Flux of FluxWithIt.com, sound designer, now just futurist. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm actually in the middle of renovating a new house, which my new studio will go into and all that good stuff, which we'll get into far in the future. But uh, my video will be mostly muted, and I'll try and mute my voice when I'm not talking so as not to disturb anyone because I'm actually installing a heating and air conditioning system right now. Um I'm definitely here and uh, really excited to talk to uh, my good friends here. And it's cool to see KK here as well, because I've been a longtime fan as well. So no doubt. And uh, we got my man, Sam. What's up, Sam? Hey, Corey. Happy to be here. Glad to have you, man. And uh, I just want to say while we're live on the air, congratulations on graduating recently. Hey, thank you so much, man. And what yeah. do you have? You have one of the coolest degrees now. What is it like experimental science and audio? Something. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, now, <laughs> I now have a master's in fine arts. OK, a uh, master of fine arts in uh, the program I was in was called experimental sound practices. Dope. Yeah, that's next level. Wow. I, I feel like you got to do your own show on that or something now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to tell you Basically, all, all that means. All that means, guys, is that he's really good at making fart sounds on synthesizers. <laughs> yeah, that's all it means. <laughs> Master fart artist. That's <laughs> oh, man. And of course, I am B-Boy Tech, Corey Banks, and uh, I run B-Boy Tech Report, BeatPeople.com. Be sure to check us out on those sites. Um, go and subscribe and follow everywhere that I am. The Beat People on Twitter, uh, Beat People and B-Boy Tech Report on uh, Instagram. Also, B-Boy Tech Report on Twitter. Uh, check out the websites, man. Be sure to, to follow us because we always got the fresh news from our perspective. And uh, I want to say what's up to the people in the chat. Maxwell Modular, what up, Max? Who else we got? Masada, what up, Masada? So Masada's asking, what's the topics for the day? So Masada, we're going to talk uh, to KK about some of her new endeavors. And I know we've talked about the Digitech a couple times, but we haven't done a show since it's been out. So I just want to kind of mention some of my first impressions and stuff on that. So we might get into some of that stuff. And we got Logain. Uh, what's up, Logain? And I know Logain actually took apart uh, uh a Digitech, and uh, that was dope. Nice. Ill, real. What's going on? So we got those people in the chat. But so let's get to uh, to. Uh, oh, one of the other things that I want to try to get around to is I just got a chaos pad, and if you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen way too much of that over the last eighteen hours. <laughs> and so I've been getting into that, and uh, I'm kind of digging performance effects lately. 
part of that stuff started from having the MPCX over here with the XY effects and then uh, got the Digitac and wanted that same kind of feel. So I got the Chaos Pad, the KP3, not the plus, but the three. And then I'm going to be reviewing um, Sugar Bites Tornado, which is kind of the software version of those types of effects that I've been using with the MPCX Q-Link. So we'll try to talk about some of all that stuff or, you know, what what other people might be doing to for those kinds of things. But let's get down to uh, down to KK. Like I said, welcome to the show. Um, I invited you because, well, firstly, I want to say you're one of the first people I interviewed uh, in 2012 when I started B-Boy Tech Report. Um, and you were doing some tutorial stuff for, who was it you were doing tutorial stuff then? It was like MPC tutorial, something like that. It's okay. Like Dash.com there. Not as active now, but yeah, I was doing some NBC tutorials back then. Yeah, so I, I was um, around that time. I was always checking out when you were doing your beat videos and stuff. But then uh, with the people who started NPC tutorials, I said, yo, I'm starting this site. Why don't we do a series of interviews with the producers that, tu- that do tutorials for you guys? And you were one of them. And I just pulled up the interview and realized, wow, it was back in like December of 2012. So that was a good long time ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, just growing musically, getting like deeper into it. Um, I'm still putting up stuff on YouTube and stuff. Um, But yeah, just getting deeper into analog back then. Like when you're interviewing me, I didn't have one piece of analog. I got like the Moog Little Fatty and that changed my life, my entire world of making music, electronic music anyway. So yeah, so that's... So, yeah. So, you know, what's interesting about that is because probably around that time. No, I think I had one analog thing and it was um, the Dave Smith's uh, mofo. And I've since I've since gotten rid of that. But that was my first analog synth. I may have had it around that time. But, yeah, I've noticed that your gear situation has grown. Um, I thought I had a problem. (laughs) <laughs> but I dig you. You got you kind of like like Sam in that regard. You guys have like the vintage synth and sampler museums at your spots. She's got a video up where she walks through the house or whatever. And uh, it's probably from a while ago, but she walks through the house and yeah, it looks like a good time. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so yeah. what, KK, what you working with? Over, like what's one of your favorite pieces that you got over there? Wow, my favorite. Yeah, I got For sure. Um, that's definitely my favorite. I love the analog keys. I know you got rid of analog four, but that's definitely one of my favorites as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Bayesian two is dope too. I enjoy that. I mean, this oh, Oberheim Matrix two thousand, amazing. It's really pads and filling in really cool like textures, you know? Um, but yeah, the base season two is so cool because it's got like, like the vintage sort of sounds, but it's also really like fresh and new. If you listen to mm-hmm. like that new house, that electronic stuff that's happening, like that's really cool. You can also integrate it into like, um, there's like that new trap sound as well. And I think it's a really great, like it's more versatile. It's really versatile. I think the base station too. I, I agree with that. Hey, um, I used to, I had it for a while. It was one of my favorite scents that I had, but you know, 
I couldn't. Uh, I didn't wind up keeping it just because when I noticed I didn't use it as much. And that was the same thing with the analog four. Um, I really like the analog four. But you know what happened is I reorganized my studio. It was initially the front end to my modular and like I would use that and my modular and all that stuff together. But then when I reorganized my studio, it ended up in the box for a little while. And time passed, and I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know the man, but I dig it. What were you going to say, Ken? You there? Oh, sorry about that. I, yeah, I'm just muting myself so as not to annoy everyone. Um, no, I just wanted to say I have a, a Matrix 1000 also, and we were trying to talk about it before the show, but I didn't really get to hear you. Did you say whether or not you had gotten the, uh, the updated ROM chip for it and the... Uh, to, you know, to be able to control it from stuff like iPad and all that? No, I haven't. Um, I've been meaning to, but it's got really great yeah. presets. Yeah, I've been that. using um, yeah. I've been using PatchBase on iPad to edit it, and uh, it actually works really, really well, and you have complete access to all of the matrix parameters. So if you dive into that thing, the, the actual modulation matrix inside of that rivals you know, most of the top new synthesizers that are coming out today. So it's, it's really, really powerful. And I mean, you can get those instant, like John Carpenter sounds, but when you start diving in, Oh, you can do some amazing stuff with it. Exciting. I don't have an iPad. I wonder if there's like the desktop version, isn't there? I don't know if they have a patch base for desktop, but everybody should have iPads because you can get like older ones for so cheap now. It's like we, we were actually talking about this the other day and it kind of ties into one of the topics about the iPad stuff or uh, uh, chaos pad stuff that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. But basically you can get like an older iPad and like an Alesis IO doc or, you know, any one of those things. And, you know, for for dirt cheap these days <laughs> I'm sorry, and use it as a this. dedicated effects box. You know, what's yeah. funny is Logan just said in the chat buys matrix brute uses an ipad to edit come on ken <laughs> no, no 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 let me just be very very clear sure we're not talking about the matrix brute we're talking about the matrix 1000 which has no knobs or faders or anything on it yeah which i'm, sh- I'm sure logan knows that but you know the, the matrix, <laughs> the matrix brute is 100 percent hands-on I, i'm addicted to that thing in the worst way yeah man so oh so kk have you have you had a chance to put your hands on the matrix brute no i haven't no you gotta if you love and this is like the ultimate modern classic of a synth i only spent three days with it and i almost shed a tear to to you know part with it (laughs) and ken ken can't seem to get his life together because of it this is literally true. Like we've had discussions, um, you know, Corey and I, we talk daily and, uh, the, the conversation was basically that I was struggling to get any work done because I had moved my matrix brute off of my roads and now it sits directly in front of me. So the problem is that every time I come into the studio to work on something else, it's staring me in the face and I turn it on and I end up losing three hours making patches on it. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Wow. but I can Hardly. understand it though. Is one of those pieces. Hey Sam. Um, okay, let me let me go to Sam. I'm gonna put the the camera on Sam. So everybody, take a look at what Sam's got going on behind him. Um, oh, oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> right. It's crazy, right? SP twelve. 
<laughs> yeah, I've got the 12 and the 1200. You know, I'm still way into the emulator two and the NPC. Okay. Um, I can't get enough of the handsome audio Zulu, which is sort of the newest thing on this rack. And then, you know, I don't know how quickly I'm going to take a look at Digitact, but I still think that the um, Machine Drum UW is one of the best samplers out. Uh, yeah, I have a great time with this stuff. The Avalon Baseline is a really, really awesome monosynth. Um, hmm. It's so underrated. I think everyone should check it out. I had wanted uh, a Oberheim Sem. Uh, which I still think is a great value, the ones he has out now, but I wanted a vintage one for forever, and I've wanted a 303. And with the little SEM filter cartridge, it's like a little Nintendo cartridge that you can put in there. I just have a switch, and I switch between them, and it's like I have both sense. I'm I'm, I'm so stoked on it. I love Dope. it. Dope. Yeah. So, yeah, you know what, Sam? I want you to come back when we have... Um uh Langston on who created the Zulu because we're gonna get into that. I know Ken wants to wants to talk to him at that point too. But out of all your samplers over there, what's your your joint? It's gotta be the SP twelve hundred, man. Yeah. I mean I, I still make a lot of beats on it all the time. Um you know, I use them all together. I'm I'm crazy. You know, <laughs> I know that a lot of people uh I know that you know a lot of people might, you know, use just like one piece and make their whole beat on it. But, you know, with MIDI, you can just link them all up and have the whole thing go together, mm-hmm. you know, mix all your different flavors. Um, it's the way that I make music and um, it, it's the most fun to me. You know? you know, you brought one of those over to my place. Was it the 12 or the 1200? I can't remember. I brought the 1200 over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you got the, uh, we tested up the uh, 1200 with the Zulu. Which was just completely ridiculous. I think that we both and you know, <laughs> agreed. We, we should have videoed. We uh, for for those out there, this was dope. We had that was a dope night actually. So we had yeah, the the Zulu next to the SP twelve hundred, and we it was direct opposite of the MPCX, which is sitting across the the, the way from it. And and then we had um, Mark St. Regis here from Studio Electronics. And uh, he had brought one of his new modules over that was like, it's the only one in the exist in existence. And it sounded great. I was able to hold it down for like a month. Um, and uh, it's gone now. I weep a little bit about that, too. But at any rate, we did this A-B. We sampled some drums into or did we sample it to the X or we already had those things in the X? I think that you had. Correct me if I'm wrong. Some of your sound pack content yeah. um, that, that you've got on bboytechreport.com. Mm-hmm. Um, loaded up in the MPCX and we round tripped, you know, round trip sampled it through the 1200, pitched it down. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I'm sure that I maybe pitched it up on the way in, yeah. pitched it back down yep. through the Zulu. And uh, I think that it was unanimous that that was. That yeah, it was yeah. so dope. Those drums were so ill <laughs> after that, which which kind of, you know, the only reason I have an MPC 62 is because I couldn't find a reasonable SP 1200 and I mm. just wasn't willing to pay the amount for it at the time. And then but, you know, as time goes on, it only goes up. So uh, the MPC is crazy, though. Yeah, and if is. you upgrade the sampling time, it's got, you know, easily twice as much as a 1200. So, you know, it has, it has its own place. It has its own stuff going on. Um, it's, it's different to make music on it, but you know, there's just so much more. The, the MIDI sequencing on Mm -hmm. it is still great. One of my favorites ever. Um, yeah, I, I think that the six, the, the 60 and the 60 Mark two are 
totally legit. They samples. are. They are. They're not twelve hundreds, but they're right. They're right. Fantastic. Of course. Yeah. Hey, KK, what what uh, what's your go to sampler right now? Oh, my go to sampler. I my answer ten right here because I've been using this a lot. Um, I've also been using the APS sixteen plus a lot as well for those crunchy drums. But yeah, I love the ten because I'll often run just. I'll record like a serum patch or something or like a spider patch and just run it through it down sample, you know, crazy effects. And it just sounds like something totally new. And I love that. So dope. that's definitely what I use it. I'm using it for now. Dope. Dope. So are you, uh, did I, did I hear you mention that you're getting into sound design or, or is that more for your production? Oh yeah. No, I mean, I think as a producer these days, you have to do your own sound design. Mm-hmm. If you want, you know, improve, I guess. You know, I've been doing freelance sound design for Ableton recently, so that's been really a cool opportunity. And Dope. Congratulations. Yeah. Hey, so uh, looking back at the interview that we did in 2012, I asked you, uh, who do you look up to when it comes to beat making and production? You mentioned DJ Premier, Pete Rock, Jay Dilla, um, but you also said, you know, you enjoy some of the contemporary sound inspired by Neptune's Ill Mind, Kanye, Justice League. Uh, is there anybody new on that list nowadays? Wow, that's a really good question. I've been really getting into like the new sort of like, like feel electronic side because those guys are really technical with their stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So even if it's it's like inspirational to hear like how they do you know there's like a ton of tutorials online obviously and i've been really diving into that type of stuff um but yeah i really i've always been still and he's like really you know expanded or changed his sound a bit and i like that too so do you know 20 still he's like France. 20 oh oh, oh uh, yeah you know what I, because i've never heard anybody pronounce it i did not recognize it because i just what's the 20 sy yeah yes. i think his name is sylvan so it's like vensil yeah yeah he's ill he's oh vensil because man's like french for 20 Vincil. yeah yeah Dope, dope. Yeah, I, I remember hearing his. I got up on him. This is how it was kind of by mistake. Um, go by mistake. It was just happenstance. I was watching TV and there was some commercial, and I used to love this track. The beat would come on. I'd be like, "Yo, whoever licensed that beat is an ill producer." And so I, um, uh, what do you call it? Shazammed it. <laughs> and and he came up and ever since then I've been following his music and, and I even went and bought that project that that beat was on he's he's a very technical and soulful even uh, producer yeah soulful exactly like Hocus Pocus his band that he was in like it's like jazzy and just mm-hmm. oh, still definitely an inspiration to me for sure I, I believe that he was also in C2C which was a uh, turntablist yes. group and they won uh, the team competition in the uh, um, DMC year after year. They, they really had a streak there. Dope, dope. Yeah. So, KK, tell us a little bit about your, um, your website. We, we, I want to, you know, put people up on what you're doing. It seems like you've got some new endeavors going on there with your website. Thank you. Yeah. So, so I site where I'm selling tools for producers like drum kits, um, construction kits as well. And um, I've partnered, I mean, I've been working with um, my partners on this project called MuseCrate. And MuseCrate, the heart of it is to help producers and artists get started for like a low price, but with tons of like stuff to get them started. So every month you get 
30 tracked out beats. And then you also get two VSTs for the producers. Hmm. And we're going to start it and also like website stuff to get your branding going and like set it up for you. So I remember when I was starting out, I was like, how do I sell my beats? How do I, you know, how do artists, like I have artists from sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do artists who want beats and they don't, you know, how much is a tracked out wave file for like most of these beat producing people, like $70 at least yeah, but for 9.99 a month you get 30 tracked out beats and that means you can have so much control over you know what you want to use um we're gonna list but we decided to add something really cool to it so that's in development so we're gonna hold off on that a little bit but early access is still available access is basically for 24.99 you get the entire year okay for us that so you get 360 tracked out beats and like dozens of VST website templates and so it's we're seeing this it's for some but like for not just producers and artists or clothing designers anybody you know you also get free website hosting so we want to really make it like a 360 thing to help a lot of people so it's like a 360 sort of media uh, one-stop yeah. shop type of deal. Now, int- yeah. you said something interesting. You said 30 free tracked out beats. Break that down to me. I mean, it sounds intuitive enough, but I just want to be sure I understand it right. I pay $9.99 or whatever it is per month and you give, uh, you make available to me 30 tracked out beats for my sampling or for my study or for what? It's for artists. It's not for like a, it's not a construction kit. Okay. Okay. It's for artists to record their songs and stuff over. That's the license for that. Yeah. So it's unlimited sales as well. You know, because a lot of people are selling like up to 2000 sale at a price, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's unlimited sales. It's not exclusive, but you know, for most artists, that's totally fine. And it sounds like a ridiculously good deal. Honestly, uh, Corey, Corey showed me this, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago and I was kicking myself at what a brilliant idea this is. And all I could think about was like, this is, this is such an amazingly good deal. And, and I'm not saying this as like an advertiser because I have no ties to this whatsoever. I'm just literally saying like, I was blown away when, when I, I looked at the website, we all just kind of talked about it like Joe and, uh, from St. Sounds and Gear and Upright and Corey and I, like we all kind of talked and we were all just like, why didn't we think of this? This is brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. A part of it too. Like, yeah, we are really excited about this. And like I said, like I said, it comes from a place of wanting to help out producers and artists, you know? Um, yeah, so we're also adding something really cool to it, and we're still trying to figure out, like, we want to give as much as possible, so we're trying to figure out how we can do that. And, and I'll so, tell you what, my kids, um, both, like, so uh, my oldest son and uh, my daughter, they both get Loot Crate and uh, I'd Be Beautiful, which are like these, you know, product boxes that they get every month, and they love that kind of stuff. And it got me thinking, you know, when I saw this, I was like, you know, if something like this was around when I first got started, you know, one, it would have been awesome because back when I got started, people weren't really sharing information. So on, on that level, it's, it's really cool as a learning tool, but on the level of like the VSTs and the content, and I, I didn't even realize that it had web hosting too. Like that's absolutely ridiculous. It, it's, it sounds honestly like over the top. 
Uh, yo, KK, you still there? I think I see you muted. I don't know if I did that. Yeah, she's muted. Um, what did you do, Corey? I was typing. <laughs> but uh, see, this is KK, this is sexism. Go to the top of, of your screen and once you hover over, you'll see the Google menu kind of come up and you'll see a mic and all that. If you hit your mic, I think it's muted. I have it on this side, but. Well, while she's trying to figure that out, let me just say a couple of quick things about Uh-oh, it. Uh, I guess off. she's going to, she's probably just going to join right back in. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, I was looking at that and the fact that like you can get VSTs along with that, is so dope because one, it should cut down on um, it should cut down on piracy, mm-hmm. and two, it, it kind of gives people a direction on to get VSTs that are dope, you know? Yeah, yeah. So VSTs are super cool because they're going to be on pre-release. We're going to like develop our own VSTs for this, and it's going to be really cool. And yeah, I'm super excited about that. That's dope, KK. This this seems like a large undertaking. I know it's going to be a lot of hard work. So, you know, congratulations in, in advance. Um, like how far yeah. are you guys off from launch? Are you kind of doing this in phases? Well, we were, but we wanted to incorporate this big project now that we have to build. And so there's like software development involved. That's kind of like what's taking a little longer to make sure we have exactly what want to provide like more value to people and so hopefully a couple months hopefully by the end of summer is okay. when we want to launch yeah but early access so until we launch that's going to be open so if you want to do that you can go to my site www.kkmedia.com and you're going to see all that and it'll be much more detailed about what you get every month and stuff like that so Dope. So yeah, yeah, y'all go check it out. Uh com. Um be sure to support and, and get involved. This is gonna be dope. I'm looking forward to seeing this stuff kind of evolve and, and grow. Now, so listen, about your your production, um, I gotta bring this up because I remember when you know this almost feels like pre-Facebook before Facebook became the internet, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, But I remember spending a lot of time with uh, a lot of us on, on NPC forums and somebody shared one of your videos was like, yo, she's dope. So they said, yeah, yo, she's dope. But after that, it was all like, I'm single. Uh, I wonder if she date me. (laughs) Right. And and it kind of ruined the conversation because I think you got on at one point and we're talking about, you know, production and technique and stuff. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a tangent from the question I want to ask. The, the thing that I thought was dope, though, was that you're a trained music, a traditionally trained musician, right? A classically trained musician. Piano? Yes, piano. OK, so how would you kind of come? Is it just your love for hip hop that you kind of started doing like boom bap stuff or was that kind of like your influences? Yes. For sure. Yeah. So when I was doing I went to school for music and I didn't even realize at that point that I beats. No one had ever showed me, you know, so um, I took an electronic music class 101 and, you know. Eddie, we learned in 
Cubase. We were orchestrating in Cubase. That's that was the class, you know. But then it kind of like opened my world, like like oh, make whatever I want. Because in a classical world, it's about sticking to the notes on the page, expressing what the composer wanted. How well you can express that. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really want to deviate too far unless you are making contemporary classical music, which is another conversation. Um, but if you do like more traditionally stay to like the notes on the page and like the instructions of the composer. So being able to compose my own music was like, oh, wow, really freeing. And I just want to do that. And like the first um, time I made a beat was like I had a friend who had like an MPC bell and I was like, whoa, what's this? And he like showed me some stuff and then, you know, just transferring like the musical knowledge, I guess, in some ways of like together like composition wise um making beats was super fun and mpc is amazing obviously mm-hmm. you do anything on it it's going to sound like a composed piece it's something that just sounds glued together automatically and um that was really fun so yeah that's how i got started and dope, dope. now were you um were you doing lessons at one point was it beat making lessons or piano lessons or something i seem to remember something like that i could be totally wrong though Oh, yeah. I was a piano teacher. Is that what you meant? Yeah. Like I was, yeah. yeah. Oh. So that's what I remember you doing kind of like the whole beat making thing. But it seemed a little more polished and typical, which uh, I think made your compositions uh, a lot more polished. So so that was dope. Um, uh, yeah. So what was your first MPC, though? Yeah, the 2000 XL. The that 2000 was the first XL? one. OK, actually, that was mine's, too. Uh, what about you, Sam? First NPC. <laughs> My first NPC was the 60. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I also really love the JJOS NPCs. Okay. Um, you know, 1,000 yes. and uh, 2,500. But uh, um, the 3,000 is dope as well. If, you, if you've if got one for sale, hit me up, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. Get the rack. Get the S2000. It's like way cheaper. So. Oh, the rack? <sighs> yeah, the rack. <sighs> I, I don't know. You know, I, I love I love the MIDI sequencer. You, you know, like I, I have all these rack samplers and keyboards and stuff that I really like to sequence. Um, is is Ken sighing at me? I don't know if that's a deal <laughs> or if he's just heavily sighing. I'm not sure. What's going sorry, on. no, no, no. I, I didn't realize I had unmuted. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like I said. I'm so actually good. installing an air conditioner for for my new house. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I was adjusting the refrigerant charge. Um, but yeah. Uh, as far as the MPC versus the rack units, uh, I, I kind of, those things are such a good value, the rack units. Um, I started on a 2000 XL and, um, and also using the 2000 classic, but the 2000 XL is like my baby. Like it was literally in the room with me when both of my, uh, older kids were born or actually I All three you, of them. I thought you were going to say conceived, but whatever. <laughs> um, maybe. <laughs> no, but no, that, like actually in the room at the hospital I when uh, when I had great. my kids, um, which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was making beats in the hospital, like no lie. Because um, <laughs> like I knew, well, I knew I was having a kid. So, and I knew I was like, you know, I wanted to be there for my wife and for the baby, so but at the same time, like, I guess we, in you know, have something to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, like really all I needed was like 
so the two weeks before we went to the hospital, like I knew, you know, she was going to be due any minute. I spent a bunch of time just sampling my vinyl collection. And so I had like zip disc just filled with like unchopped uh, sampled material. And when, when it came time to deliver, uh, you know, we had the baby bag and I had my MPC bag. <laughs> I grabbed it. We went. <laughs> like there's, there's wow. pictures of me in, in the, in the hospital with it. <laughs> my, oh my, my wife is not super proud of that, by the way. Um, well, listen, you know, my wife was giving birth. There was not any time to do. It was like, get in there. It was like a damn race at the you know Indy 500 it just seemed like everything went super quick I wouldn't have had time to do anything like that anyway oh yeah well we were there for for a while and you know so it, it was pretty chill but I used to take my MPC with me everywhere like I had a power inverter in my car and I had like a AM FM adapter for it so like I would I remember I had this old like 1998 Monte Carlo and I, I used to make beats in it with a power inverter <laughs> plugged into the light socket yeah I was all about Making beats wherever I could. Hey, one but of the dudes the, in the chat said uh, that you have a uh, Eurorack AC unit. That's, that's AC unit. Yeah, that's a heater. That's a heater. That's a heater. That's a heater. So, so yeah. But what I was trying to say is like, so you know, when I started making beats, like, like kind of like what I was saying about the Muse Crate thing. Like, I, I was broke. So whatever I could do to like, you know, MPC 2000 was not cheap, you know, when it first came out, like it was close to two grand or so. Mm -hmm. So uh, I had, I kind of got the come up on it and that's a whole nother story that I won't get into, but the, uh, I wanted the eight outs and I wanted the effects card. Mm -hmm. So what I ended up doing was getting a used, uh, rack mount S 3000 XL and the S3000XL is the exact same as the MPC2000 engine, and it uses the same effects card and same 8-out board. So what I did was I bastardized it. I took the board out. I took the 8-outs the out, and uh, you know I made up a new ribbon cable, and I plugged it in. Uh, I think I actually fried my MPC at one point, but I, I was able to fix that too. Uh, but those rack mount units are, are steel because if you get like an S. 950 you can get that mpc 60 flavor um they're not they're not exactly the the same i mean they're both they're both really nice samplers but they don't exactly sound exactly the same they're pretty extremely close though um the i mean the workflow is definitely different that's the biggest uh, consideration but if you're if you're doing something in a modern workflow to me what i'm finding is working with the old rack mount samplers that give you that same sound and then midiing it up to more modern sequencers and resampling and that sort of thing is kind of, um, you know, a, a very valid solution. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's maybe worth mentioning too, that the racks in some cases do things that the NPCs do not. So, you know, it's possible to have the, yeah, know, exactly. lot, yeah, lots of like really nice polyphony and stuff like that, that, Get into like multi sampling and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, so you know this is a uh, kind of I want to segue into Ken's favorite new piece, the Digitac. Um, KK, have oh, you God. have you checked out or uh, been following the Digitac thing? Yeah, I've been watching like demos and stuff online. It looks really cool. It's like yeah, I mean I love Electron, so I would them. Um, 
my radar for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I would love to hear what more you have to say about it. Well, so I think, well, well, on a couple of previous shows before it came out, Ken, uh, well, you know, I was interested to see what was going to happen with it. I kind of knew ahead of time I'd be getting one to help with the launch. Um, then Ken, on the other hand, is not impressed with it. And I could understand that. I mean, everything ain't for everybody. Uh, um, and I know at one point, Sam, you were talking about getting one, right? Um, I don't know about that. I definitely, um, <laughs> I'm definitely, uh, 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 checking it out. You know, I, I follow all the electron stuff, you know, I have for a very long time. Um, you know, after trying all of the rest of electrons, other samplers, you know, from the machine drum to the octatrack and now the rhythm, you know, I definitely can see that Digitech does some things that I would want, such as the newer sequencer features with the MIDI output. Mm-hmm. But at this moment, you know, I've got a lot of samplers, man. And like, it's, it's one of those things <laughs> where I got to, I got to figure out, um, you know, exactly what it would actually do for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it definitely, really huh? Okay. Sorry. Really portable. That's like one yeah. of the, that's, really portable. that's true. I've been loving the Volca sample and stuff. The, the Digitact, it does not run on batteries, if I recall correctly. It does not. So, I think that was a huge miss, honestly. Yeah. Of all the things that I like about the, uh, and and like I said, full disclosure, right? I did kind of help with the launch as far as like, you know, having being one of the first people to kind of give uh, first impression review type stuff. But I'm not in any way paid by Electron or anything. You like corporate shill. <clears throat> right. <laughs> but the, the thing is, I honestly like it. I've, I've found myself drawn to it quite a bit in my studio. So much of fact that I went and got the chaos pad for it. Um, I think I like it because it's quick, simple and, you know, it's fast. Like the, the thing about it, I could easily see taking this with me somewhere, and, you know, when I travel and stuff. Um, and and it's so quick and easy just to sample something in. I think it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like a modern old school sampler. Right. But with some new tricks, it's not like super, super feature rich, but you can it's quick to get your ideas down. And it's got enough of that um, um, almost synth driven mangling in it or sound design type features in it to to make, you know, make it fun to be able to kind of get some some different train of thought into your production. You know, I, I do appreciate an electron sampler that has, you know, actual audio ins for sampling, mm-hmm. which the rhythm doesn't have. And I do appreciate that it has actual MIDI out from the sequencer, which the rhythm also does not have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you MIDI know, they, there's, that's great. And they also have um, threshold samplings, which is mm-hmm. something that, you know, definitely the way that I'm used to working is, is a huge plus. So it's got some stuff going for it. One thing that I don't know how crazy I am about is uh, the idea of using overbridge uh, in order to get more outputs from the thing. If you know what I mean, where, you know, with all their other machines, you can, you know, just plug it up to your mixer or audio interface, whatever. And with the Digitact, I guess, to get the individual voice outputs, because it only has a physical stereo output. Hey, can I just be clear voice. about something? Yeah. Because uh, Corey kind of threw me under the bus, no, and I just want to be clear. Under the bus. There's no bus. A little bit. A little bit. A <laughs> uh, little bit. I just want to say, 
It's not that I don't like it. It's just that it's not for me. I don't think. I, um, I, I think it. It looks like a great entry point into their, um, into the whole electron scheme of things and getting used to their way of sequencing and all that kind of stuff. Looks great for that kind of stuff. It just doesn't look like it for me. One, the lack of battery power for something like that. Mm-hmm. I do agree. I think that was a miss. Um, the other thing is that it, it just. It just doesn't look like it's for me. I, I don't really particularly think the pad layout and just the way it's laid out looks inviting to me. But that being said, it doesn't look terrible by any means. Um, it, it doesn't look like something I would rail against. Um, it's just, to me, there's other products on the market, um, price range that, that will, you know, kind of entice me a little bit bit more but does that mean i think it's bad no not not really um i just don't think it's for somebody who maybe already has a whole bunch of gear yeah you, you got a good point there ken i could honestly say um having it on my desk i find myself making a decision like what am i working with you know what i mean what am i working with today however the other day i did find myself kind of triggering it too from the mpcx and 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 running the outs into the mpcx and kind of making things a little bit uh yeah and that's the other thing Corey, is um you know i had the rhythm and i just the workflow of it wasn't you know some people love mac computers and some people love pc and they can't stand the opposite well that's kind of how i felt about the rhythm like i didn't really particularly enjoy the sequencer um i didn't like the way that they handled workflow on it um i thought it sounded phenomenal um, it's like probably, probably the best sounding analog hybrid drum machine I've heard Tempest because I liked the workflow on it more. So, um, and you know, I, I'm far from a, a, a Tempest like blind lover on that either, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you know, so it, it's one of those things where it's also like, I look at that workflow and I say, well, I've tried that workflow before. It really wasn't for me. I don't know if this is but I've been seeing the stuff that you're doing with the Digitech and you seem to really enjoy it. And that's great for you. But I'll step off to the side. No, no, I definitely understand that. You know what? I think that's one of the things about the Digitech and Electron Gear in general, really. Right. It's it's a learning curve to it. It's definitely different from. You know, especially from like people in our world with the beat making and boom bap and the hip hop. I mean, it's either machine or MPC, right? Or some other uh, vintage sampler. So when you get into the digital, I mean, the electron stuff, they have their own way of doing things. And, you know, it causes you to think a little differently and it can be a learning curve if you're not quite ready for it. Um, yeah, I, I will say I do appreciate things that they've put into the Digitax where on the rhythm and their machines in the past, mixing without like an external mixer mm-hmm. was a little tedious. You would just, you know, page through the different, all the different instruments or parts or whatever the electron terminology is, and then individually adjust their levels. Where the Digitax yeah. seems to have a mode where you can just actually have the eight little uh, encoders control the levels. Another thing that I forgot about the overbridge thing is that it's now paid for the Digitox. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that either. <laughs> I don't like it at all. <laughs> I, it's, um, you know, that certain features like the individual outs don't happen without the overbridge and you have to pay for it. You know, it, it definitely, the lack of the, the battery, I, it doesn't strike me as such a portable piece without it being battery powered because you got to plug it in somewhere. 
mm-hmm. um, where, you know, your Volca sample or um, something like that, you can just pull out of your bag, throw on headphones and, you know, wait around somewhere and play with it where, you know, the Digitac, you know, yeah. it's going to be a whole operation. So, so that's, that's one of the things I, okay. So that the mixer you were talking about, it's a, it's called the master section. So there's function okay. master um, mm-hmm. And yeah, you can use the eight encoders there to kind of mix the the track and make things sit nicely the way you might want them to sit. That's dope. Um, I, I would argue that you need that if you don't have individual outputs. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, you definitely need that. Uh, the other thing is, I wish there was a a part in there where where there was like a master compressor or something to kind of glue things together or just to kind of pump things a little bit. Would be kind of cool. But I'll tell That's you, that's your when, heat, man. Yeah, that well, yeah. So that's right. You got heat, and, and that's what I've been pairing it with. Like I said, if you follow my Instagram, Instagram uh, uh, B Boy Tech Report, you'll see that I've been using heat with Digitac, and just recently added the Chaos Pad, and that's such a crazy trio. I mean, it's just crazy because you got this, you got this sampler that you can jump right in real quick, and you know do some pretty uh, uh, banging stuff. And and plus the MIDI effects on it is what I think I'm really drawn to because that's not on the MPC, right? So I'm saying like, um, uh, what are those things that I love? Like the the, uh, tree? The XY effects. Yeah, the XY effects I love on the MPCX. I definitely love that. But on the Digitech, you have trigs and where you Oh, can, the trig conditions? Yeah, the trig and, conditions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I love that because you can make a simple... Here's the thing. With producing hip-hop, you'll, you'll tend to make a four-bar sequence that can be simple and monotonous sometimes. And that's good, especially with me coming from a background as an, MP, as, as an MC, right? Uh, but then, too, when you get more into beat making and want to kind of uh, compose your beat a little more and, and flip things, you can make a, a, a track that's rather, rather simple but dope, but then with the trig conditions, you can start to freak the beat a little more and freak the beat in a way that the machine is doing the freaking for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think that's real dope. Um, but yeah, the, the combo is fresh. Um, oh, Corey, I have, I have a quick question for you yep. since you have the new NPC and the uh, Digitalk. So the Digitalk does not have a song mode. It does not have a song. Yeah, but it will, like the other electron machines, from my understanding, follow program change messages. Um, I haven't tried that, but I do think it will. Um, I think that if you can sequence program change messages from your NPC, like mm -hmm. you can on the vintage NPCs, you could essentially have a song mode happen in Digitalk. You can also, um, you can chain patterns together. Uh, I saw... Our good fan, our good friend Logan, yeah, uh, commented about that the other day on Facebook. So I, think, I know that you can change patterns the too, because the update just came out the other day. Was that a part of the update? I don't know. To me, I don't have one. <laughs> I, I think he said that right around the time the update came out. So that may be something at the update. So speaking of the update too, though, uh, one of the things that they, the Digitech had a problem with. I don't know if you well, MIDI needed some cleaning up. The MIDI implementation needed some cleaning up. So um, there was some weird things like you couldn't record MIDI notes from an external uh, keyboard, but you could you could record MIDI notes into the Digitac sequencer using the Chrome, um, the chromatic mode. Right. 
so you get to go chromatic mode and it's 16 pads so the 32 16 pads turn into like a keyboard and you can do octave up and down so you can record and control an external keyboard that way now you can do it both ways from the external keyboard or otherwise the other thing is there's eight MIDI tracks and eight audio tracks the eight MIDI tracks will allow you to record up to four MIDI notes uh uh, at a time simultaneously play four MIDI notes simultaneously so you can get chords and stuff off. But then what was happening initially on the first uh, uh, firmware is you can only record one note by playing. Then you had to go into the screen and program the other notes, which was just weird. So now you can just play the notes in there and stuff. So um, well, let me just say oh, this you can play polyphony like that. Yeah, Corey? From what I understand, oh. I haven't, I haven't oh, tried it yet, wow. but that's, that's what cool. I understand from the notes. I'll agree that, like as producers we get frustrated when we see boxes like this and like rhythm and like tempest and all these things they come out and their external midi capabilities seem to always be kind of neutered and just weak mm-hmm. and oh it just it, it feels like coming from the days of the mpc uh like 2000s and whatnot and then you see a lot of these modern boxes and you're like why are we stepping backwards midi wise yeah, it, it's yeah. really driving me nuts you got a good point there, Ken. I mean, yeah, there's some things that should just be at the basis of like all these joints should do like the MIDI implementation. I don't even know why any like, for instance, I got a JX 3P over here. It's understandably remedial in terms of MIDI. You know what I'm saying? But it's it's Roland's first MIDI keyboard. Understandable. I can I can do some upgrades to it and make it do what it needs to do. But when there's all these new things coming out and there's always MIDI problems or uh, not so well developed MIDI implementation, that is kind of crazy. I don't, I don't know. I think they get so rushed. I've talked to, I've features. talked to different hardware developers about it. Yeah. Like I've, I've had conversations with hardware developers and um, you know, drum machine developers uh, multiple times about this. And like, I know that there are certain reasons for it and I understand it, but it's, it's still frustrating because a lot of the times it'll come down to price point of processors that are used and that's, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm looking at these old units and they do this. It's like, it shouldn't be a caveat or something on the chopping block to me. It should be, okay, this is what needs to happen. So let that kind of partially dictate your price point in a way. Like to me, stepping backwards, just, it really shouldn't be the option. Do you think, yeah, it's, and, do you think it's them stepping backwards or do you think that that's one of those things people take for granted that because it's been around so long, they don't think about it. They forget about it or it becomes one because then they end up doing it like in a in a in a firmware update, like right away. <laughs> look, look I, I, I was that? I was really I was really excited about a certain sequencer. It was very hyped. Mm-hmm. It was definitely hyped up for its MIDI capabilities and it did no MIDI. No MIDI day one. You needed to have a day one firmware update. I had bought two units. It bricked both of my units. Oh, and and that and you know, I, sorry, I'm done with the company. It's not they're not coming back from it in my mind. You know, that's not so. It's though. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it, the thing that it was advertised to do, uh, it didn't do ultimately. So so that and even a lot of these ones get these these firmware updates, but the the MIDI is still you know, half-assed, like yeah. a lot of the time, like it's rare to see a modern, especially, uh, I know that there's a difference between a drum machine and your main MIDI sequencer, 
But let's be honest, there aren't a lot of main MIDI sequencers out there that are, you know, as capable as something like the older MPCs or the MV8800 or, you know, so forth and so on going, you know, to these older units. So, you know, I, I really, when people try to nitpick the terminology like that, it's like, come on, dude, look at the market. You know what's out. Don't be a jackass. Like, <laughs> <no>. Right. <laughs> I, I will say it, it bums me out that the analog rhythm doesn't have any kind of, any kind of MIDI output. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, just from coming from someone who, think, uh, huh? Sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say like, I think I'm like part of the problem because I actually just track out all of my sense and all the stuff I do because I think how dare you <laughs> yeah <laughs> <No>. <laughs> my creativity I can just you know chop things up really fast and that's how I do it and yeah so I'm sorry about yeah, that I don't think do that that's the issue because a lot of the times what we'll do is like we'll record go go for it Kent is is that we'll record the MIDI notes, right? Mm-hmm. And then we'll and then we'll sample that stuff back in. Right. And you know, and use the, and then work with the audio from there on. So it's like it's frustrating that you can't do that. And on top of that, I mean, you know, just like Sam said, you know, also the Tempest. The Tempest can send MIDI from the pads. Like if you touch a pad, it'll send right. the MIDI trigger out. But if you hit play on the sequencer, it can't send that MIDI out. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, no, and, you know, I, on, on the on the Tempest is is particularly kind of a, a funny thing because it seems like you would really want to layer stuff up, right? You know, if, if something doesn't have custom samples, how great would it be to have it trigger your sampler, your nine fifty, or whatever? You know, exactly. and so it just with, with all with all those kinds of things, it seems like you know, especially that, when you're dealing with a with a product that costs, you know around two grand, you know, oh. when it first dropped and, and, you know, anything that's above a thousand dollars, I'm sorry. Like you should be able to do at least 16 tracks of MIDI output. Like, the, that's the, Temp- well, the, the Tempest as well. That's supposed to be a collaboration between Roger Lynn, who did, you know, the MIDI production. Well, I'm not gonna, Sam, Sam, I'm not going to get into this. You know, you're, you know, you're going to get me all riled up and I'm going to get all pissed off and no, I'm not doing it. I'm not going down this road today. I'm trying to stay happy. It's a beautiful day outside. Yeah, okay. Ken has okay. blown his wig about that several times <laughs> because he has the tempest and he loves it, but there's just so many things about it that are just like, yo, how could they have ignored this? And then, uh, there's a lot of things with that. You you got to go back in the archive and watch a couple of those shows when Ken got really I, deep on that. I really, really want to the Tempest versus the Rhythm because, yeah, I well, think I really need an analog drum machine. So I'm thinking like Rhythm. Rhythm. Sample. Rhythm. Yeah. Rhythm with the samples. If you enjoy the Electron workflow, go Rhythm. Um, I don't know. I think personally, I felt the Rhythm sounded better. But I like the hands-on control of the Tempest a lot more. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that's a that's a huge thing. I actually want the Tempest as well. I have the rhythm, and I've had it for a couple of years now, and I love it. Um, it taught me uh, the Electron sort of sequencer and stuff. Um, and then after that, I end up getting the analog four and like all kinds of electron stuff. But um, yeah, I definitely love it. But I still want the Tempest. There's something about, I, uh, you know, I don't know. Even even with the Prophet 6, you still want a Tempest? Uh, yeah. 
Huh, okay. <laughs> because it's a drum machine. I mean, yeah, you could sit around mm. and do that stuff on there, but and they are different filters on there too. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm wondering what Sam's getting at because I have a feeling he's getting at something different than just sound. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I, well, okay. Well, for for a while, I really preferred the sound of the Tempest to the other DSI synths that were out just around that time, and I think part of it had to do with. Um, the sounds I was able to get out of it layering up the digital oscillators and the, uh, the analog oscillators. And uh, I just think that the Prophet 6 sounds so great in that kind of like sequential sound space that, uh, you know, I, I'd honestly, well, if I was in Corey's studio, ooh, dreaming, you know, I would like, I would sample up some Prophet 6 sounds to the DigiTalk or something like that. I, I just, I just find those I've two sounds like polar opposites. Like the, the, hmm. The filters that Dave Smith is using now yeah. uh, versus those those Curtis chip filters of the Mofo, Tetra, Prophet 8, uh, Tempest, Prophet 12. I'm personally not a huge fan of that chip. Um, we, we are the, the same in that uh, sense. I like a lot of the older Curtis chips more than that particular one. Do you happen to know uh, which one it was in the, in the Tempest? Uh, not off the top of the head. Oh, okay. Yeah, but um, and, and yeah, I'm kind of not at my studio, but I mean th- that those the chip says in that that's all the same chip from the from the Profito or from the Mofo and uh, what was it Evolver all the way on through to the Profit Twelve. Profit Twelve was the last product that they did that used that chip, and then they went to the Pro Two, which used the discrete presented. And they did, uh, you know, the discrete filters in the Prophet 6 and the OB6. Um, so to me, th- that's just a totally different thing. But I, I actually enjoy how the sounds um, as a synthesizer. Like when you start programming it as just a straight up synthesizer, it sounds pretty awesome. Like it's, it's really cool. It's got its flaws, but it sounds really cool. Um, yeah, I'll tell you, I had the profit eight just on that topic for a second. I had the profit eight and I had it for a while. I was so stoked to get it in the studio and I used it quite a bit. Um, but then, uh, you know, I, I think when the profit six came out and I went to Nam and played it, I realized that that's what I was hoping I was getting out of the profit eight. They sound different. The six is more warm and just has a different feel. And I almost felt like, although the profit eight is really dope, there's something about it that I just, there's something about the top end that I don't dig so much. Uh, I'm not really sure. It's just one of those things. I, I found myself using an external filter a lot to make a, to give it what I wanted it to have. So, you know, a lot of people love it. I did not love it so much, especially after I heard the Prophet 6. So I sold that and bought the Prophet 6. And it's... Yeah, it's PCOs. So, like, I think that's got that extra something. Yeah, it does have something extra. It seems more warm. And people use all these words to describe things. And I don't... I think you really have to hear it to know it. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, so... <clears throat> I, I I definitely am still really impressed with the Prophet Six. Um, I I I do think that it's something that you need to like, you know, have a listen and play different stuff, and not just go through the patches and things. Because when the OB Six was out, you know, I heard it at Nam, I heard it in some stores, and I was like, ah, you know, it, it was, didn't really hit me as hard as the Prophet Six. And then you know, I had some time alone with it, and then I really really got yeah. You know, 
the, the differences are can be pretty pronounced um, when you're in the right setting. It's true. <clears throat> it's true. And recently I got to finish editing the video. I got a few review videos to finish editing. One of them is the uh, Torres AS1. Um, which is one voice of the prophet six. And I think that joint is brilliant. Um, sounds real good. And Ken asked me that I do some one-to-one comparisons with the prophet six. No, Ken missed opportunity. <laughs> so, um, but I, I did do the review. I have to edit it up and it, it sounds really nice. It has like seven of the effects to come on the prophet six. It's got like, 495 presets, but then that's the factory presets. So you have 495 other slots, I believe, that you can do your own user presets. Um, and it just sounds incredible. So and I keep telling people <clears throat> the classic Pro 1 was one voice of the Prophet 5. And so now you have a desktop version that is one voice of the Prophet 6. So in my mind, it's kind of like the, the new age Pro One desktop version. That, that's interesting because it's also kind of like a groove box. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's it's got well, it's definitely groove box. It's got that sequencer on board. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like a TB three hundred three, kind of melded with a Pro One, kind of yeah. weird spot, which is cool. You know, it's definitely interesting, but yeah. its own control aspect is is what I kind of wonder about for that. Well, you know, it's not a lot of controls on the front end. So I've definitely mentioned in the review that, you know, if if you're into having a more knobby synth, that probably wouldn't be the one or either you'd probably want to do that, get a controller of some sort or the sound tower. I, I, I can't recall if the sound tower guys are making a controller for it or a VST for it or whatever, an editor. Uh, but definitely that if you're into that kind of stuff, it definitely puts like a really sophisticated sound in your hands for a a pretty decent price. Um, but Hey, I want to talk to y'all, man. And, and I mentioned this before. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what you guys do when it comes to performance effects. So I've been racking my brain over the last few years, like, uh, about performance effects. And let me be clear. I ain't going to perform nowhere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, that may change in the future because I have kind of been thinking about it, but I, I'm not traditionally performed as a musician, I've performed as an MC in front with the band and a DJ and stuff for many, many years. Uh, but now I'm kind of considering later maybe getting out there and performing as a musician uh, with with my groove boxes and stuff. But that brings me into this whole uh, effects, live effects and performance effects sort of things. I love the XY effects on the MPCX. Um, if you had to touch, you you experienced that, too. It was there, too. Um, so I've really got into that since I've been, uh, I think it's been like six months or so I've had the MPCX. So I've really gotten into the touch effects. And when I got the Digitech, I wanted that kind of thing. And so that's why I got the KP3. Now, Ken, you got a, you had a chaos pad, right? Is it? Yeah, I have the chaos pad too. Um, and I modified it so that it has the hold functionality of the, um, of the KP3. And I put it, I put a video and I, I think I did a video. I definitely did an article at least up on my website on how to do it. Um, it's pretty simple, just a toggle switch and a couple of wires. I mean, cost you like, you know, $2 or something in parts and you're good to go. <laughs> through the case. <laughs> What'd you say? What's uh, that? KK. Oh yeah. I wanted to know, Corey, like uh, how would you characterize for yourself, like the sound of the digital, 
Digitech with the sampling of the Digitech. I think um, it's it, it doesn't provide a whole hell of a lot of color. I don't think any real modern sampler does, but I I can say that it some of the top end is maybe slightly colored. You know what I mean? And I guess it could depend on how you drive it. Everything that I've sampled in has been dirty already. So it's tough for me to say, like I literally am bit crushing stuff on the way in. That's what I was about to say is that for me, like the vast majority of like modern samplers that I use, I'm usually running through my Euro rack or some other piece of gear before I I send in. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and if, and if I am using something like, let's say machine or something, I'm not using something external. It's like Decimort two is so damn good. I I use that a ton. Decimort. Yeah. I use that. Dope. Speaking of the Eurorack stuff, though, I was uh, about to put the Dave Smith character module on a chopping block, but I I vacillate about that. I'm not sure (laughs) because it's it's one of those things. I do like to use that for samples and to, to, you know, sound design and stuff. But I just find that I I use that a ton lately. Um, Because I've been using it. I use it a ton, but there there was always something I didn't like about it Mm -hmm. for me to put my finger on what I didn't like about it. And I finally figured it out. And it was that, um, well, there's two things. One, the way it bit crushes, it introduces a lot of noise. Hmm. Um, and it's not, not pleasant noise. Um, it's like explain, um, other bit crushers, like the Malgorithm two, your rack bit crusher that I've personally heard. Um, that one has like sweet spots all over it. Whereas the DSI one, when you start doing the actual bit crushing, which for the record, I prefer sample rate reduction over bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the DSI one, when you start to bit crush with it, it, it gets this weird like noise. Like it, it, it implements things into the signal that weren't originally there that I don't really like. Whereas the algorithm, it, it just actually like does exactly what you want. Um, but the other thing that I found is that because I think it's running at like a, a pretty high sample rate, um, it's it's clean no matter what. It's clean even when it's sample rate reducing. You still get this clean DAC sound to it. And that's what I like about the old samplers is that when I'm using these low sample rates and I'm lose, using these low bit rates, the actual converters are junky by today's standards and they introduce this kind of noise to the signal that's really pleasant to your ear like i just recently got a um ensonic sq80 and it's 8-bit wavetables through like the same curtis filters that are on the profit vs and um what what you do is really low and slow the samples down pitch them down and man it, it breaks things up in like the most pleasant way ever and, and that's uh, SQ80. You can't really do that with the DSI. What's that? No, I was just saying that's the SQ80, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that, the SQ80. I mean, when you told me about the uh, SQ80, I, I want to. Um, go cool, if it's okay. Oh yeah, if it's okay to jump in, I, I did really appreciate somebody put up a video that's a sound comparison between the Digitalk and the Octatrack. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I thought that was pretty illuminating in terms of the, does the Digitalk have like a real like lo-fi sound or you know. Um, does it react when you push it hard kind of thing? Um, I also agree with uh, Flux. I love the Malgorithm Mark II. And it's worth mentioning that that one is stereo. So um, it's stereo, but not with independent controls of both channels. So you can control the sample rate reduction and your uh, voltage control it and your um, 
sampler will be affected on both channels together. Uh, and it, it's, it works really well for me for processing things. Dope. My favorite bit crusher or sampler reducer is still the Oto biscuit. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to get better than that. But ultimately what I use the most is the kind of thing that Fuss was talking about, you know, use a older sampler or synth with analog filters, but, you know, a digital front end, slow everything down and get that nice aliasing and, and filter it up. Like that's, that's absolutely my favorite way to do it. Yeah. I think that's the reason I've, I've, I've thought that I'll put the uh, DSI character module on the chopping block because I got the auto biscuit and it's a monster of a thing. I mean, I can really get right into almost any classic sampler sound territory. Do you, you have imagine. the UAD version as well? I don't. Uh, at some point, well, I, I do have an Apollo, so I can have the demo at any time. At some point, I want to try to do a, a comparison. I got a few comparison videos I want to do. I want to do the real hardware Auto Biscuit versus the software one. And I'm going to probably, if not this week, but next week, do a comparison video between the MPC 62 and the MPC X. Not for me, but for people that keep asking, how's the MPC X sound? And everybody, when they ask that, they said, do does it sound like a 60 or 3000? And I'm like, hell's no, it's not supposed to, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So what I want to do is I want to put them side by side and I'm going to sample the same sample source into them. And then, you know, we'll just play them back and I'll explain why I think you shouldn't even worry about whether or not the X would sound like a classic NPC, because if you want that sound, go get a classic NPC. You know what I mean? One of the vintage joints. I agree, man. I totally what's, agree. With what's that. Masada? Masada type more? You say Corey No with t- capital letters. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that comparison. Is that going to be the Antichrist? Shout <laughs> out to Masada, by the way. He's got a he's, he's got a new sample pack. This the, his new cycle kit. Um, I think it just dropped, and it looks really dope. So I highly recommend people go check out his stuff. Yes. Yeah. Actually, Masada um, cycle kit one through four. So he just dropped the uh, uh, the cycle kit Masada cycle kit four. And from what I'm hearing, it sounded pretty dope. At some point, I think he was going to send it over so I could check it out. I'm gonna uh, do a, a review on it at some point. But yeah, he's 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 getting busy. And I think what's dope is that he's using the NPC live almost like a field recorder. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, he's taking the MPC live as with his battery power with a mic plugged up to it. He's all in the forest preserve and all over the place uh, doing sound design. So that's pretty dope. Yeah, man, that's that's one of the things that has me kind of debating on getting both the X and the and the live is for exactly reasons like that, man. It's, you know, like I, I keep a field recorder with me wherever I go. I actually have one with me right now. Um, I always have a field recorder, but having a field recorder, that's also your, your beat machine. That's dope. That's crazy, right? Flux, what is your uh, field recorder of choice? Well, the one that I always just keep with me is the, is the zoom h4 which i've h4n which i've had forever and you know it just works like it doesn't impart a ton of character or anything like that like it it tends to be fairly clean um if i'm doing really like if i'm trying to get serious then i'll bring out other things like i i, I keep you know a macbook pro and like I'll, I'll i have really nice audio interface matter of fact i have the uh, the new arturia audio fuse 
uh, which oh, yeah. uh, I believe they just, I, I think they just dropped or if they finally announced it or what, uh, as far as being available. But I've been, I've been on the testing team for that for a while. And, um, preamps on that, you have to hear to believe is, is the best way that I can put it. Like yeah. it's, it's the quiet, the flattest and quietest mic pre on the market. And that is, um, so like that's including like boutique preamps that are like extremely expensive. Like it's ridiculous. And that's dope. And and it's taking a while to get out there too. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been in development for over four years. Um, they, are the pre's uh, IC based or are they discrete? I believe it's discrete and it huh. is a completely new design. It is not hmm. um it's not okay. based on any previous design. And that's part of what took it so long to come to market is the guy who designed the preamp and everything, like is kind of a mad genius. And it, yeah, it's totally new preamp design. So it's not like it's not based on, you know, previous things that are out. Like most, most of the time when you buy an audio interface and it has a nice preamp on it, it's based on something previous. This is a totally new thing. Word. Hey, let let me ask KK because we always um, ask folks this at some point. KK, you got a a gang of gear over there. I love the the studio walkthrough. I actually checked that out. So I know what Ken was talking about when he mentioned it. Um, The thing I want to know is, have you gotten into modular? Is that a direction you're going to take at any point? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely on the radar, but I know it's money pit. So (laughs) I'll carefully with my problem that I already have but no I love the idea of it and yeah it's definitely it's only a money pit if you don't have self-control but of course none of us have self-control so yeah it's a money pit that is the problem addictive personalities and electronics I mean you could say you could say having a 19 inch rack that's empty is a money pit because you're like oh now I want to fill my 19 inch rack yeah you know it's the same thing but it's uh, way more addicting yeah, but no, I'm loving it. Yeah, I would love to. It's really interesting for sure. Like what you can do with abilities is definitely really intriguing. But is it like affected workflow? Do you feel like when you're getting into a modular, you're trying to you have a melody? Or- so uh, my personal opinion is design your rack in stages for what it is that you're trying to do at that moment. And I was talking to uh, my buddy D Steele of MSX Audio. Uh, we were talking about this just the other day. And basically, so if you want like a really badass monosynth, build a badass monosynth. If you want an effects rack, start building your effects rack and kind of go at it in stages like that. Um, if you want something to be like a powerhouse for effects processing and whatnot, do that. Uh, Corey was talking about, you know, performance effects. Probably the most used performance effect that I use right now is my modular. And I have um, the Mutable Instruments Clouds, and I use them uh, as both glitch and stutter effects and reverbs and uh, resonators. And then on top of that, then I have all the filters and distortions and all that kind of stuff. I use that as my, my performance effects more than anything else right now. Yeah. And I'll tell you about modular where 
where I found myself, I've found I find myself in a modular space that seems to be a little more melodic and less bleepy and bloppy. But, you know, I kind of dig both. You know what I mean? So yeah. I find that I'll play my modular like a traditional synth, but then I'll use the modulation in ways that aren't typical in traditional synth. You know what I mean? So there's so many ways you can go about it. But the thing about modular is that you can make it whatever you want it to be. Now, somebody asked me too, like, yo, the workflow sounds crazy when I just want to create. But for me, I approach creating beats from almost a sound design perspective. So to me, that just kind of plays into it. And I don't find it as a distraction so much as I do kind of like a freeing sort of experience to, to sound. And you can pay for it as you go, which is dope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can buy a $200 module here. You don't have to spend your money all up front on like a, on a $2,000 synthesizer. You can build a $2,000 synthesizer 150 bucks at a time. Word. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're Sam Botstein, unless you're Sam Botstein, in which case you're going to build, you know, a $40,000 synthesizer, $850 at a time. $850 at a time. (laughs) Well, okay. Look, I I, I do do have expensive taste in modules. That's true. But I would say, (laughs) I definitely, I definitely would say um, it's important to think about processing with the modular versus synthesis. Like you can easily do both inside the same system at different times or whatever. And I also think that when people are getting into it, um, they might not build a functional system to begin with. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think that it's definitely awesome to pay as you go, but it's possible to buy only modules that don't put out audio or to buy no modulation. And then you can't do anything without turning all the knobs individually. So I definitely think that, um, you know, tools like modular grid are great for planning. Um, and, uh, I would say, you know, maybe check that out and also check out everybody's threads, you know, critique my rack before you post one of your own, mm-hmm. you know, there's like thousands on, on Reddit and Muffwiggler and all these other, other sites, you know, you can just see what, you know, people who have been into it for a while, have to say about um, ideas that people who are trying to build the very first and get into it um, are proposing. You know, something else I'll add there. Well, one thing, KK, to hell with us. Don't feel no pressure to hell with modular. (laughs) If you ain't ready, don't go there. But here's the thing somebody mentioned in the chat is that they ain't into modular, but they love those Dave Rossum modules. That kind of thing is the kind of thought that I think like, listen, there's such a huge, vast world in modular of like sound design and, and sound palette kind of possibilities that you could literally get like a small little skiff and just fill it with filters that you don't have on your traditional sense or your samplers you know what i mean and like that's a whole nother thing like for instance when i reviewed the the uh torres as1 i also reviewed the torres sp16 not a huge fan of the sp16 for many reasons and i'll let you know that when i finish editing that review but one of the things that i did like about it was that it had that uh dave smith analog filter on it and i thought that was so dope to have an analog filter that was that rich in sound on a sampler so like when it comes to modular like you could literally buy some of your favorite filters that you've always heard about from classic synths and stuff like that throw that in a small little skiff and then have that to help process your sense and and samplers and stuff there's so many different ways you can go about it it's kind of dope yeah i would say the barrier to entry for something like that is honestly like you're talking about maybe three hundred dollars 
Like realistically, like you buy a, you can buy a hundred dollar power module okay. to a Tupperware container and then buy something like say like the DSI Curtis filter or the dope for modules. And then maybe like, um, an anamodule line to boost the signal properly. You know what I mean? So what, what I'd love to yeah. say about that too, is, you know, uh, Corey's right. The, filter clone gain in Eurorack is crazy. There's, there's so much to choose from. There, there are scents that I have never heard of that have filter clones in Eurorack. And uh, what Fluss is saying is true, too. The barrier to entry can be low, especially if you DIY. And also, people like TipTop have been putting out better and better, in my opinion, entry-level stuff. You know, for a long time, their so-called happy ending kit was, mm-hmm. you know, a great way to get just, you know, an 84 HP single, like, three-rack unit thing going. And now the um, the Mantis, I think, is a great deal to start getting into it. I think that it's getting easier every year to get into the game. Yep. That's it. Yeah, I'm going to check it out. So. Yeah, and you know, holler at us if you got questions and stuff. I'm sure any one of us will be willing to answer whatever we might know. But yo, we're going to circle on back around. We're getting around to that time. I want to thank everybody for coming by. KK, you got anything you want to uh, shout out? Anybody you want to shout out a, a pub before we get out of here? Yeah, so just Muse Crate um, available um, for s- drum kits, construction kits, all at www.kkmedia.com. So thank you for having me. Word. And uh, feel free to stop by anytime. Um, you know, I'll reach out to you from time to time, see if you want to chime in on certain topics that I know yeah. uh, you might have a piece of gear there, a few pieces of gear that you may have some expertise or either some opinions on. So I'll holler from All time right. to time. Thank and, you. Uh, word, no doubt. And Kenneth? Um, yeah, so 8-Bit Dipped is the most recent uh, sample pack that I put out. It's machine compatible, but of course it's wave files and you put it in any drum sampler and all that good stuff. Um, so do that. I would also say um, stuff coming out. Just check out um, fluxwithit.com and support. Oh, did you cut off? Okay. Oh, hey, Pete Marriott's in the house. What's up, man? Pete, <laughs> Pete came in just to say bye. <laughs> What's up, Pete? We're, we're literally saying peace. Who you want to shout out, Pete? <laughs> um, I want to give a shout out to Handsome Audio for making the greatest analog tape simulator, passive analog tape simulator, Zulu. Word. I also want to give a shout out to Akai Professional for the MPCX. Yes. I also want to give a shout out to Waves. Shout out to Isotope. I'm now Isotope family. Dope. Congrats, man. And I want to give a shout out to Beat People. Yo. And the Producers Hangout. Yes, sir. KK on the Beats. Um, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. Thank you. Amazing. You're amazing. Thank you. That's amazing to hear that. Thank you. Appreciate that. I want to give a shout out to Sam Botstein. Thanks, man. For putting me on to Wave Boy. That's all I got to say. No word. So, Sam, <laughs> uh, Sam, what you got, man? What's going on with you as we get out of here? Sorry? Well, who you got? Anybody want to shout out in the last words? Oh. Yeah, um, sorry, cut out for a second. You can find me at peermind.com on the mentorship network. 
Word. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a dope, dope thing. Uh, I, I like that y'all doing that, man. Um, I've actually, what's interesting is that I've been getting people hitting me up, wanting me to do similar things. So I may start one-on-one, um, not mentoring sessions, but, you know, consolations. I don't know. You know, holla at me. Let's talk. Poor fee. <laughs> we, we could learn something. I could, you know, whatever. So, yeah, uh, what I'm going to say as we get out of here is be sure to check out beatpeople.com. We still got Beat People t-shirts and we got uh, sample packs up there. Um, I think my favorite sample pack that I've done to date is probably Chicken Kit. And uh, it sounds crazy, but it's dope as hell. You'll love it. You should go get it. The other thing is there's uh, Analog Boom Bap 2 is coming. And... Um, I have a kit called Dust It that's coming as well and some other plans, but I've been so busy with hardware. I haven't had a chance to really finish those things off the way I want to. So, um, yeah, then I, I have um, Modscapes. So I made a sample pack called Modscapes. It's got like 30 or more um, soundscapes from my modular rack that... Uh, you know, that you could use to sample and chop and create whole new soundscapes. I mean, you could use it to sample little pieces out of to make one shots of like effects type things, or you could use it as textures and, and, you know, things that kind of lay in the background or even kind of sci-fi stuff like that. So yeah, check that out. That's called uh, Modscapes volume one, volume two is already on deck. It's actually done. I just need to put it out and uh, yeah, be sure to subscribe to all of us and follow us on all of our networks. This is the beat people podcast. Uh, We don't beat people. We are beat people. Peace until next time.